Welcome to Studio Wednesday's Recap Diaries. My name is Katie, and this is my recap diary of House of the Dragon. Today, I'm recapping Season 1, Episode 3, Second of His Name. We open on a fiery war zone close up and personal with the crab feeder, or as some might know him from his government name, Prince Drehar. As he nails a victim to wood, no doubt setting up for his glorious buffet he's about to put on for his little crabs. But wait, who do we have here? Yep, flying in is a fucking massive dragon. As the nail to wood ready to be eaten by crabs victim says, Burn the fucking triarchy cunts alive! Is my English accent good? Just a shame, the dragon is unable to determine who is good and bad. So they all burn, or are crushed by the dragon's thunderous steps. You know, he's a dragon, he's trying. It seems that over the last few years, Damon and Lord Corliss, who now goes by Sea Snake, by the way, have set up an informal war against the Crab Feeder, with a collection of troops from the City Watch and Driftwood, among them Lord Corliss's family, including his young teenage son. Though they seem to have gotten fairly far in their efforts, it's clear that this war was on their own volition and without a lot of support. Enough crab and dragon talk for now, let's move on to this episode's namesake, opening on a lavish table setting and celebration for our newest member to the Targaryen family, a two-year-old baby Aegon, Lord Viserys and Coeen Alicent's son. If you can't tell, we have done a bit of a time jump since the last episode, roughly about three years. Back to the second of his name, Prince Aegon, and his party. Today is Aegon's second name day. This cute, white-haired little boy is the center of attention and the center of one thought in particular. It seems that almost everyone around expects this name day to turn into a name-the-boy-official-heir-to-the-throne day because clearly Rhaenyra was just a placeholder until a real heir came along, aka firstborn son. Princess Rhaenyra, around 17 or 18 now, seems to wholeheartedly also believe this. Now, with one less shoulder to cry on since Alicent became queen and got busy making babies, she is preggers with baby number two now, Rhaenyra is fully leaning into this bratty teenager form. Though, honestly, I don't blame her. It seems like everyone around her, although they have bent their knee to her, can't shake that pesky misogyny. Damn, still gotta handle that, huh? Even in fantasy, it's impossible to imagine feminism, I guess. Moving the indoor party to a hunting party out in the wilderness, the whole family, Rhaenyra included, make their way to the activities. Although the king is trying his best to reconnect with Rhaenyra by asking her to slaughter boars with him, you know, that's a typical request. Rhaenyra refuses and kind of suggests that she's extremely put off by the idea of killing something, especially a boar. After being ruthlessly hit on by Jason freaking Lannister, whose twin sits on the council to the king. Yes, his name is actually Jason, by the way. I guess even back then, in this fictional world, you needed to be able to name a douchebag somehow. I'm waiting to see if there's a Chad in there somewhere. After shutting Jason down and getting pissed off at her dad for trying to set her up for marriage, which Viserys says is the duty of the crown, Rhaenyra runs off to the woods, and our favorite knight, or my favorite knight, 
Sir Cole follows. More than a casual hunting of boars, we hear of a legend of a white hart, or stag. Even preceding the dragons in their legends, a white stag is told to be the symbol of royalty. And, while being endlessly berated by people at the hunting party, both passively and, quite obviously, to name Aegon Air and remove Rhaenyra, King Viserys holds his ground steady. Though his hunters hope that this white stag will make an appearance today for the king to slaughter it, giving one more sign from the universe that Aegon is the rightful heir. Of course, the other solution, according to Otto, is that instead of gross Jason Lannister, Rhaenyra marries someone closer to home, her half-brother, Aegon. Ah, there's that incest we've lost sight of since Game of Thrones. Hey, thankfully, King Viserys is a modern man and dismisses this thought quite quickly. Another option brought forth by one of Viserys' councilmen, kind of a deja vu moment, is that Rhaenyra marries Sir Laenar, Lord Corlys's teenage son. Well, if you didn't want Lena as your wife, why not try to unite the houses again, this time via your daughter, Viserys? Interesting thought indeed. Let's step back, though, and focus on King Viserys for a minute. Since the last episode, we continue this theme of poor health, and although it's only been a few years since we last saw him, you would think it's been a decade. Receding hairline, exhausted eyes, and features on his face. Remember those maggots? Yeah, looks like those didn't work, and now he's actually missing those two fingers on his infected hand. At the party, he gets roaring drunk, and it's clear that this man is really struggling. And a tired, very pregnant Queen Allison is just trying her best to hold it all together for her growing family. As the hunt goes on, Viserys' men find a stag for him to kill. Although not this mystical white one they were hoping for, it's still a strong and large stag nonetheless. As his men hold the stag steady with ropes, Viserys is handed a spear from Jason Lannister to slaughter the stag with. His eyes glazed over with wine, and just as much as the audience in this moment, it seems he really doesn't want to see this animal die or be the one to kill it. But duty calls, and he begrudgingly stabs the stag to death. Checking back with Rhaenyra and her trusty sidekick and protector, Kristen Cole warming themselves up by fire as night falls. Rhaenyra leans on him for more than just protection. While offering a kind word, there's a sudden noise in the background and Sir Cole goes to check it out. Suddenly, a rogue boar comes barreling toward the fire and knocks Rhaenyra over, squealing and trampling all over her. Rhaenyra tries to fight him off with her bare hands. Luckily, Sir Cole is there to stab the boar as it stands over Rhaenyra. The boar isn't dead yet, though. So Rhaenyra quickly grabs a knife and with concentration in her eye, stabs the boar to death, covering herself with its blood. As morning breaks, a bloody Rhaenyra and tired Sir Cole slowly make their way to camp, when all of a sudden, coming out of the trees, the white stag appears to them. As Christian Cole reaches for his sword, Rhaenyra whispers to him, No. And they both watch this beautiful animal as Rhaenyra takes in this sight of the white stag as it calms her heart and nerves. Back at the castle, cleaned up from the last days of hunting, we see this moment between Otto and his daughter, now Queen Alicent, 
where he's trying to use her to maneuver political actions. This time, asking her to help the king see that Aegon, second of his name, is born to rule the Seven Kingdoms. And yet again, we see Alicent going to visit her king and now husband in his chambers following that conversation. Though, perhaps finding her own footing, Alicent, rather than pushing Aegon towards air, instead laments the power of Rhaenyra having her own choice. Ah, so there is a hint of feminism. Quickly moving on, Alicent finds a message from Lord Corliss's brother, who was fighting in the Stepstones with Daemon, the Sea Snake, and their roundup of soldiers and knights. The message is a plea for help. Again, in her timing of shoulder and influence, Alicent brings it down to basics for the king. You're really gonna let your petty ass allow your brother and several other people to die and this fucking nasty crab feeder to take over instead of just giving him a helping hand to get rid of this crab feeder? You stoop! Okay, I am paraphrasing here, but this is the gist of what Allison is saying to Viserys. And this comment does set into motion King Viserys officially sending help to the unofficial war to help stop the crab feeder. As Viserys is making arrangements to support and send word to Prince Daemon, Rhaenyra comes into the king's council room, finally able to have a moment alone, and King Viserys finding his confidence with a clear mind, we see a beautiful father-daughter, king heir moment. Allowing some vulnerability, Rhaenyra opens up to her father that she's scared and convinced that Aegon will replace her as heir. Rhaenyra's coming in with this, oh, come on, I know exactly what you're going to say, I know exactly what you're thinking. And Viserys comes in with a, whoa, whoa, let me surprise you. Viserys lays it all out for her. Marriage isn't really about fun, it's about advantage. But you can still find love and companionship with your betrothed. And, better yet, surprise number one, I trust you enough that you get to choose your spouse. Surprise number two, yeah, you're still the heir, and that's how it's going to be. Honestly, I think I like Viserys. His decrepit, decomposing ass is actually pretty nice and a very decent father. The messenger sent to notify Damon and the Sea Snake of support coming finally makes it to them while Corliss's family and Damon are discussing strategies for their next attack. After reading the note from the messenger, Damon is filled with rage. How dare my brother? My brother is going to help me? With all this rage and nowhere to place it, Damon takes a play on shooting the messenger and beats him almost to death. Alrighty then. Now, with a, if anyone's gonna fuck this up, it's me, attitude, Damon walks right into the crab feeder's territory, alone, and finds a white cloth to wave and surrender. One of the crab feeder's men come to collect Damon and his weapons. While Damon is on bended knee, when, of course, he pulls out a knife and slits the patellar tendon of the man. Okay, anatomy lesson? This is the tendon right above the knee, and I'm just really trying to paint a picture of how fucking painful this is. Don't worry, we're not going to be getting into anatomy lessons every episode. Back to the story. Oh, no. (laughs) No, no, no. We're not surrendering. We're going full batshit crazy and what appears to be a solo mission against the masses of Crabfeeder army, getting them right where he wants them, surrounding him with no way out. When all of a sudden, Lanar Valerian, 
who, because of his mother's Targaryen blood, is a dragon rider, is on a dragon and ready to flame the opposing army into death. While the rest of Daemon and Corlys's army come to finish the fight, Daemon follows the crab feeder into the cave, and although our view cuts out, he walks out of the cave with the top third of the crab feeder, no doubt, who Prince Daemon stabbed and mangled to death. I'll leave you with the scene as the episode also ends. Prince Daemon, drenched in blood, as victory comes over the caves and sea, a mirroring image of his niece and both of their accomplishments today. <laughs>